0: I, uh, I'm, I'm going to talk to you about prayer tonight, and uh, probably this is different than anything I've ever talked about before, as far as prayer is concerned. Um, but when we think of prayer, we think of it as something we, we have to do. I, I know that, I know that sometimes that we think, I've got to read my Bible, I've got to pray. These are things I have to do to, to maintain my my relationship with the Lord, to maintain Christian status, if you will. Uh, we see prayer as something that we have to do. Well, I, I like to say it this way because in many cases, people see prayer as a chore. And that prayer's not a chore. And prayer gets a bad rap because it's it's viewed as something that... that People feel like they've got to do it. Prayer in and of itself is communication or maybe a better word is conversation with our Lord and Savior. But maybe that's part of the problem. We call it communication or conversation, but we don't hear him talking back. And sometimes that can be a little frustrating, especially if that's exactly the way you feel about it. And I've always said that That the Lord sees prayer as dialogue. In other words, it's a two-way street. It's something that I talk to him, he talks back to me. So since we don't hear him talking back, is that why we struggle with a command to pray? And I did say command. Because it is a command in Scripture that we pray. 1 Thessalonians 5.17 says, Pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. So tonight I want to take us inside prayer. And since prayer was comman- commanded, then there must be something important about prayer. Something of great importance about prayer. And I want us to try to discover what that is and remove the guilt of us being forced to pray in order to maintain quote-unquote, that Christian status. So here's my title for tonight. I want to talk to you about Jesus and prayer. Jesus and prayer. And understand the things that I'm going to talk to you about are things I struggle with just like you do. Um, Just because I'm pastor doesn't mean I've got it all perfected. Just because I'm pastor doesn't mean that I have full understanding of everything. Sometimes some of the things that I give you are are things that God has just enlightened me on. So I don't want want you to ever feel like that I'm coming across as somebody that knows a lot more than you do about these things. Because some of you could probably teach me some things about prayer. So let's start We start with this thought tonight. Jesus' example to prayer. We don't think about that that much because when we think of Jesus praying, we think of Gethsemane or uh, him praying in the Garden of Gethsemane just prior to his arrest and crucifixion. Or we may think of him just starting his ministry and being led of the Spirit in the wilderness to be tempted of the devil when he went on a 40-day fast because you can't fast without praying. I mean, they go hand in hand. So sometimes we think about those two things in reference to Jesus and prayer, but make no mistake about it, Jesus prayed. Here's an awesome thought. The one we pray to prayed. so that tells us if the one we prayed to if he prays then there must be something about prayer that we need okay so when did Jesus pray and what was his favorite time to pray uh, some of you if I would go around the room and ask you what's your favorite time to pray some of you would say early morning some of you would say late at night some would say well when I'm driving I'm on my way to work and I'm driving or or, you know, maybe after the kids are gone and I get a cup of coffee and I go to the living room and sit down with my Bible, and that's a good time to pray. There would be many different times in here, but Jesus Jesus did pray and he exampled prayer. But what what was his favorite time to pray? Jesus prayed in the mornings. Mark 1.35 says, And in the morning, rising up a great while before day, he went out and departed into a solitary place, and there prayed. But Jesus prayed in the evenings too. Mark 6 says, And when he had sent them away, he departed into a mountain to pray. And when even was come, the ship was in the midst of the sea, and he alone on the land. He also prayed it all night. You get kind of getting a picture here about when his favorite time was to pray. Luke six says, it came to pass in those days that he went out into a mountain to pray, and he continued all night in prayer to God. Jesus prayed in the company of trusted brothers. Luke nine says it came to pass as he was alone praying. His disciples were with him, and he asked them, saying, Whom say the people that I am? Now, now there's a little something I want you to pick up here. And I I think this is what I love about the gospel. Sometimes you can just see things between the lines. I mean, you can tell because here's, it says, and it came to pass, he was alone and praying. His disciples were with him. So it's him and the disciples, and he's praying. Now, I didn't say the disciples were praying. He just said he was praying. And then he asked, who do people say that I am? So what, what what I'm alluding to here is sometimes we get this picture of prayer, that prayer, and especially if he was raised like some of us were, Prayer is—you got to be just about peeling the paint off the walls. Uh, you got to be screaming and hollering, and God's not deaf. He, he's not deaf. It's the heart He's listening to. It's oh, I know the the fervent, effectual prayer of a righteous man availeth much, and there's time and place for all of those things, but. But look look at this setting. Jesus is praying. His disciples apparently are sitting there watching him pray. And while he's praying, he looks up and he says, who do people say that I am? In other words, this, this question probably came out of his heart about what he was praying about. He was probably praying, well, I'm sure he was praying about the world. He was praying about the people, about the people receiving him, and and just he paused and he says, who do men say that I am? I just thought that was just kind of interesting. Jesus prayed prior to his arrest and his eventual crucifixion in the Garden of Gethsemane in Luke 22. He was withdrawn from them about a stone's cast and he kneeled down and he prayed saying, "Father." If thou be willing, willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. Now, this was a place where he prayed in great agony. And I would kind of feel like that he probably prayed many times in, in this setting or it, while he was there in the Garden of Gethsemane because it said that his sweat was as great drops of blood. So there was great agony in his prayer. And I'm sure he probably wasn't just doing a quiet meditation. I mean, if you're in agony, if you're in agony, you understand. He was doing a little more than just, now lay me down to sleep, ask the Lord my soul to keep, if I should die before I wake. No, there was a little more involved than that. Jesus prayed in public. Luke 3 says, when all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also being baptized and praying, the heaven was opened. Jesus had those times of withdrawal to pray. Luke 5 said, but so much the more went there a fame abroad of him and great multitudes came together to hear and to be healed by him of their infirmities, and he withdrew himself to the wilderness and prayed. Even though he was doing much good, even though he was was actually doing good and he was was touching the lives of of the people, he stopped what he was doing and he withdrew to pray. Again, this is speaking to us of the importance of prayer. I... um, I wonder how we would I'm just trying to think how to phrase this I'm wondering how we would do in a service if we were we had been for several hours going in service and people were being healed and people were being touched and all of a sudden you felt depleted of everything but yet you recognized there was still work to be done would you just give up and go home or would you go find you somewhere and say, okay, God, you got to refresh me. you got to anoint me. I just feel like I've poured everything out. There are times that whenever I walk away from the pulpit that I feel that I've emptied myself. There's nothing left. But I also know that I never, I never know I never know what's going to come up after i preached. Who's going to need something? Who's going to need to talk? Who's going to need prayer? And that's why, I mean, that's why that when I walk away from the pulpit and I go over there and I kneel, or maybe I sit down, I'm not sitting there just, just saying, oh, I'm, I'm tired. No, that's where I'm saying, okay. Uh, I pray that I did everything the way you wanted it done tonight or today. Now I need to be refreshed. I need to be refreshed in my spirit because I've poured everything out. That's what Jesus was doing here. He had poured everything out, but there came a time when he had to withdraw himself from pouring out and he had to pray. This teaches us again Prayer is important Jesus taught prayer to those closest to him Luke 11 And it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place When he ceased one of his disciples said unto him Lord teach us to pray As John also taught his disciples So Jesus taught the auspice of prayer If the one we pray to pray then does it not show us that we must pray also? I mean, that's, that's one of those lines you need to just kind of take home with you tonight. If the one we pray to prayed, then does it not show us that we must pray also? I feel one of the difficulties that arises from prayer Man has made prayer a to-do list for God. And, and let's keep our priorities in straight here. We serve Him. He doesn't serve us. What He does, He does out of love, not because we ordered Him to do it. I, I used to pray for somebody and I would and back in my younger days, and I guess age tempers us a little bit because I used to be praying and there would be a, a situation and I would, I command in the name of Jesus. And there's a place for that. But I think I have reached a place in life that I just want to entertain his presence and, and let him then do the work that needs to be done. It's okay to tell him what it is that you want him to do. It's totally okay to do that. But I don't need to command him to do it. After all, who am I? Kind of goes back to Sunday's message. You know, who am I? He does what he does out of love. God doesn't doesn't get his daily marching orders from us. We're his children. He loves us and he takes care of us. But he's not waiting for us to tell him what to do. And I'm afraid sometimes that's what happens. Our prayer becomes a laundry list of things. I wonder if our prayer time would become more effective if we prayed responding to his love and loving him back. Just think about that for a minute. I wonder if our prayer time would become more effective if we re, if we prayed while praying, responding to his love and loving him back. Oh, I, I think it's totally okay for us to share with him our needs and the needs of others. But just like a child telling mama and daddy what they want, you know, that That's the way we should we should do it because if we can tell him like a child understanding from our adult human perspective if he doesn't agree with us if he doesn't agree with our prayer then that's okay with us but I can tell him it's all right I can tell him but if he doesn't answer it the way I want him to answer it it's okay because I trust his sovereign will. You say, well, Brother Bruce, I I really don't understand the analogy. Well, let me make it a little clearer. Your children say to you, Mama, I want this. Daddy, I want that. You understand that's something they really want. But you also realize it's not something they need. And so as a parent, sometimes you may explain it, and then sometimes you just may ignore their request. I mean, that's what we do as parents. That's what God does with us sometimes. I mean, we, we may, and we have to accept that in our prayer time and, and, and as our petition before him that, Lord, this is what I would like, however your will be done. Our children ask, but they don't always get what they ask for from my study of the word and how the kingdom functions I think it is easy to see that prayer was established so that you and I could grow in relationship with the father to me that's the number one reason for prayer it's not to tell him what I want it's not to tell him what I need it's not even to tell him what you need I'm gonna read that bullet point again from my study of the word and how the kingdom functions, I think it is easy to see that prayer was established so that you and I could grow in relationship with the Father. I can prove that. I can go all the way back to Genesis, to chapter 2, where God come and walked with Adam and Eve. Well, he walked with Adam before Eve ever existed but then he walked with that with Adam and Eve. Scripture says in the cool of the day. He came every day just to fellowship with them. Could we use prayer another word for prayer and maybe call it fellowship with the Lord? I'm just I'm looking for ways to make prayer a little more intimate. It's just this is my you know it's just like Donna and I I mean, we live in the same house. But what if we never talked? I probably you're right. I wouldn't eat. She probably wouldn't have anything to buy anything to eat with, you know. Too. I mean, it goes it goes two ways. I mean, you understand the relationship here, the, this is what prayer is it's conversation it's dialogue it's communication I tell, I tell young couples when they're getting married and, I, and I'm doing their, their pre-marriage counseling I said there's three C's to marriage communicate communicate and communicate got to happen Without communication, assumption takes over. If you don't talk to one another after a while, you begin to think, well, we don't love, you know, they don't love me. You know, I I told you about the old man and woman that went before the the judge. They were getting a divorce after 50 years of marriage. And finally the judge looks at him and he says, Why, after 50 years, are you wanting a divorce? Well, the woman looks at him and says, Well, Your Honor, it's very clear. He never tells me he loves me. And the old man looked over at her and he said, Is that your problem? He said, I told you the night we got married, I loved you, and if that ever changed, I'd tell you. (laughs) No, it don't work that way. Might be good in theory, but I mean, you know, it's just, it don't really work that way, okay? So prayer, prayer is, is intimate dialogue. It's what it is. I, I title this tonight, Jesus in Prayer. Look at how Jesus prayed and to whom he prayed. I'll stretch some of his thinking now. Look at how he prayed and to whom he prayed. Now those of you who have been around church a long time All your life you've heard people Well you know when he was in Gethsemane He was praying to the you know and He was exampling prayer No no when, when he was in Gethsemane It was serious business You don't sweat blood Just showing an example He prayed to the Father Now I'm not trying to create a Godhead issue we are mere mortals we can never understand to its fullest the Godhead and how it totally functions in fact scripture calls it a mystery I know this I believe in one God and that's enough but I have no problem teaching that Jesus prayed to the Father now how Jesus is his own Father I have no idea how that all works okay so so don't come and try to Get me into some kind of conversation about all this. I, it's just beyond my pay grade, if you don't mind. Okay? But I have no problem telling you, here, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. Okay? I have no problem telling you that. Jesus used prayer to keep the door open to the Father by communication all those examples I read to you of Jesus praying in the morning in the evening and in public and by himself and going off somewhere in a private place and all of those things I read to you while ago wasn't Jesus exampling prayer this flesh needed communion with the Father okay Jesus kept the door open to the Father By communication if it has been a while since you have prayed or if you are one of these that that hit or miss on prayer and by that I mean you don't pray every day you have noticed that your prayers feel a little stiff and they feel a little stuffy and there seems to be no connection with heaven sometimes we may even say something like this it seems as if my prayers didn't even make it to the ceiling." But if you have a regular prayer life, you have noticed your prayers being more fluid. And the response from heaven has been much more immediate and much more intimate. It's the same way in a relationship between a man and a woman. If they don't talk to each other, then the relationship becomes strange. But if they are in the habit of sitting down and spending time together and talking and communicating, that relationship is much more fluid. It's much more intimate. If we spend time with him, he will spend time with us. He does care about what goes on in mine and your life. He really does. He does care about the things that trouble us. He does want to know about the fears that we encounter in life. And I know now that you, you've got that scripture in your mind that he's not giving us the spirit, spirit of fear, but of love and peace and all so on and so forth. But he does want to know about the fears we encounter in life, such as our health, personal safety, the direction of the country, Politics. Those things that we're so concerned about. He does want to hear from us about that. There have been times, and this is not in my notes, there have been times when I have prayed and prayed about a situation that all of a sudden, peace would just come over me about that situation. He didn't answer the situation. He didn't fix the situation. Nothing changed except how I felt. And all of a sudden, I was overwhelmed with peace. And I knew it was him saying, I'm working. I'm taking care of it. Trust me, you're going to be okay. It's going to be perfectly all right. He's waiting like a good father to find out if we will trust him to help us. That's what he wants to do. He wants to to help us. He does want to know what is special and important to you. And he will hear. However, let's go back to where we started. If the only thing you've got to say to him is I need, I want. Would you please do this, do that? There's there's way more. There's way more. There's, I love you, Jesus. I'm thankful for the spirit that you've placed in my life. Thank you for my family. Thank you for my children. Thank you for my church. But more and all of those things, thank you for dying on the cross for me. Oh, there's so many things that you can say to him. And you don't have to say the same thing every day. Because there's plenty to be thankful for and there's plenty to love him for. It's really just got to come from the heart. If I, if I said the same words to Donna every day, After a while, that would get boring. Probably at least after about the second day, that would be boring. If we got up with the same routine, said the same thing, that would get boring. Do you think he feels any different? Let me approach prayer from a, Another perspective. Do I have time? Yeah, I got time. In order for prayer to function as it should, one must have faith. Now, I don't know if you've ever thought about this, about your prayer time and about when you're praying. But when can praying pray without ceasing Let's see. I've skipped something here. In order for prayer to function as it should, one must have faith. We can pray without ceasing, but if we have no faith, then our prayer is in vain. You might think it rather harsh of me to insinuate to the fact that we don't pray because we have no faith. I don't know what I just did, but my screen just took off and went a million. Oh, here it is. Here's where I am. I'm leaving my finger on the screen too long. That's what I'm doing. Uh, uh, Thank you for the confidence there, brother Dave. Appreciate it. Let me back up to this. You might think it rather harsh of me to insinuate to the fact that we don't pray because we have no faith. But I've stood, and this is is honest to God's truth, with too many saints of God and I have spoken words of faith to them after we have prayed over a need and instead of them standing in agreement with me, they simply said in a weak and a resigning way, I hope so. That type of hope And hope so is not faith okay it's not faith let's remember what faith is Hebrews 11 one says now faith is the substance of things hoped for it's the evidence of things not seen now that's one of those verses that just kind of you read it and say yeah really What? (laughs) Faith is the substance of things so far. The evidence of things not seen. Faith is substance. Faith is substance. Example, I've asked for healing. My faith that he's going to do the work is my substance for what I am hoping for. In other words, I wouldn't have asked him if I wasn't expecting him to do it. That may be a better term to put it. But my faith is my substance of what I am hoping for. Well, you may say, Pastor, you just said hoping is not faith. And you're right. However, my faith in what I am asking for is proven by my hope for what I will receive. Two different kinds of hope here. One of them was a resigning Well, I hope so. hope things change. Well, then why did you even bother to ask? I know that's kind of in your face, but but why ask if you're not just believing that it's going to happen? Well, what if it doesn't happen? What else? You and I are not on the line here. We ask. It's up to him to do the work. You've never healed anybody. You've never filled anybody with the Holy Ghost. You've never done any of the miraculous things. The miraculous comes from him. We are simply conduits that he flows through. That's all we are. I remember asking the Lord one time, and I've shared this with you. I remember asking the Lord because I'd gone gone in to pray for a dear saint of God. And they were very sick, but they they were also very elderly. And I I asked the Lord, when do I stop praying for healing, and I pray simply that your will be done? And the Lord spoke to me just just as clear as anything, and he said, as long as there's life, there's hope. You pray for what you're supposed to pray for. You leave my will up to me. And I will do what needs to be done. The second part of Hebrews 11, 1, if our faith is the substance of things hoped for, the second part of that is, faith is my evidence for what I have petitioned the Father for. that gets a little more out there. I mean, my faith my faith is is my evidence like it has already happened. Okay? You got that? I mean, my faith is 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 the evidence. And I think if I if I pray from the perspective of This is what I'm hoping, the substance is my hope, this is what you're going to do, but my faith is also the evidence that it is done. In other words, I see it before it even, it's happened. My faith is both substance and evidence of my petition before the Lord. Yes, prayer can become very boring if I have no faith. If I have no faith that he will hear me, it becomes a very boring thing to do. 1 John 5, 14 says, and this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, three words, he heareth us. He heareth us. Also, it is hard to discipline oneself to pray if there is no faith. I know I hear that somebody, somebody's speaking in my ear right now, saying, "But what if my faith is is weak?" Well, how big is a grain of mustard seed? It's just don't take a lot of faith, y'all. Just the confidence that He is and He can is enough. Yeah, there's 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 verses in the Bible where Jesus said I've never seen such great faith remember the centurion was wanting Jesus to come and do something heal his servant I think it was And Jesus says I'll come and he said no no master you don't need to come I'm a man under authority I I understand how authority works I say to this this soldier go and he goes and I say to this one you do and he does and and he turns and he says and all you've got to do is say the word and it's done And Jesus said I've not seen such great faith in all of Israel And when the man returned home his servant was healed and when he inquired he realized it was at the same hour that he, questioned, or that, that, he, that he and Jesus conversed on this matter that the healing took place you see Jesus never had a problem with prayer because he had faith <laughs> and I know we say yeah but he was Jesus yeah he was Would you have liked to have walked a mile in his shoes? The people, the very people that he came for, rejected him. Do you think the flesh side of him ever said, what was the use? Do you ever think he had a moment whenever? Was there another way? Even when he prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane, Father, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will but thine be done. Jesus knew his mission. He knew his purpose, but it was worth asking. He knew why he came. He knew what the purpose was. He knew what had to be done. But when he, whenever he says, if there's any other way, let this cup pass from me. But he had no problem going the next step. Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. Why? Because he had faith. The mission was going to complete. It would be complete. However, he knew it wasn't the plan of the Father. Therefore, he continued his prayer with the nevertheless. He knew that the Father never had another plan. There was never another plan than the Son coming and dying for the sins of mankind. The purpose of this study tonight was not to chastise us over our lack of prayer. My purpose tonight was just to show some of the pitfalls that we fall into and why for all of us from time to time we fail in our passion and our diligence to prayer. It does get frustrating to pray and not feel anything coming back or not seeing something happen but I have also done this long enough to realize that if I just keep on he's working behind the scenes sometimes and when he's working undercover he doesn't always show himself but he's working on our behalf remember this he desires conversation with us 1st Timothy 2 says I will therefore that men pray everywhere lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. I mean, he wants us to pray, but he wants us to pray without anger and without any form of doubt. Trusting he will do what needs to be done. I remember many years ago tongues and interpretation went forth here in the church and The interpretation said something about a dark cloud from the east. That happened, I think that happened sometime around 2005. Somewhere in there that that, those tongues and interpretation went forth. We've seen that dark cloud from the east. Manifest itself in many different ways, and political turmoil, um, social unrest, um, also natural disasters, and things of those nature, of the, of that nature. But I've I've been way made aware of this. The Lord doesn't tell you something and he doesn't show you something just to tell you or show you. He does it so that we may pray. And We have. We've prayed against these things. We've, We've sought God earnestly about these things. Maybe we pray sometimes and then we kind of get into a place of complacency and we forget about praying about them and then later we'll be reminded and we start praying again again about those those things. But still the point is we're still praying. And we're not the only one praying. There's others that are praying. The Lord spoke to us also and maybe in that same tongue and interpretation that you're my hands and you're my feet and you're my voice. What we do affects the world. This will be a horrible place to be when the church is taken out of it. Don't think, oh well, I'll, I'll just do what I want to do and then after the church is taken out, I will get saved during the tribulation years. And then, No, you won't. You won't make it. I don't want to be here. If you think if you think things are a mess now He desires conversation with us. He is interested in everything that has to do with our life. I got 5 minutes left. He longs for us to talk to him and he with us. It is part of our spiritual life receiving force. John 15 says this. These first six verses are important. He says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that he beareth fruit, he purges it, that it may bring forth more fruit. You know what purging it means? He's out there trimming on it. You trim on something, there's pain. Well, I've never heard a plant holler yet, but I've seen them weep. The sap run out. Now, ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. He said, Abide in me and I in you. And as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine, no more can ye except ye abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered, and men gather them and cast them into the fire and they are burned. I am the vine, ye are the branches. That's what we have to keep in mind. The imagery of a vine and a branch is quite sobering and should impress on us the need to stay connected. When we stay connected, Through prayer, each of us has has seen the effects of a branch that has been damaged or broken from the vine. It withers. It withers. That's what happens. Prayer keeps us connected to the vine, our source of spiritual life and strength. The Lord will hear and answer our prayer. There are enough scriptures that declare positive results when we pray that these scriptures alone should encourage us to pray without ceasing. And I'm going to end this way. I've got a list of them. Mark uh, Matthew twenty one. All things whatsoever ye shall ask in prayer, believing, ye shall receive. John fourteen. And whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If ye shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. John 15 7 if you abide in me and my words abide in you ye shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. John fifteen sixteen. ye have not chosen me but I have chosen you and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain that whatsoever, whatsoever ye shall ask of the Father in my name he may give it to you. John 16 and in that day ye shall ask me nothing. Verily, verily I say unto you what whatsoever ye shall ask the father in my name he will give it you John 16 and at that day ye shall ask in my name and I say not unto you that I will pray the father for you there are enough verses to prove to us that he will do exceedingly abundantly above anything we can hope for or imagine. only thing you and I have got to do is we have got to get in the place to where our conversation is, is intimate with him and on a daily basis. That's what prayer is all about. That's what prayer does. And it will make a world of difference in you first as the prayer, then in your family. As the recipient of prayer and in your church as a recipient of your church-wide prayers and the world around you as a recipient of the things that you have prayed for if you've blessed there will be blessings if you've cursed things there will be things that will be cursed the weapons of the enemy are things that we need to curse some of the mess that's going on in our nation Needs to be cursed. Yeah. We need to stand up. Well, that's a whole nother topic in a whole nother time. Jesus and prayer. Jesus' example to prayer. And if he prayed, then it's important for Bruce to pray. Because Bruce needed, needs it a lot worse than he did. I can promise you that. And I need to do it. Amen. Would you stand with me? Thank you for being in the house of the Lord. For those of you that joined us online, thank you as well for being with us tonight. We trust that you've been blessed. Why don't we as a church family, let's just lift our hands together and just thank him that we have an opportunity that we can talk to him. Father, I just give you thanks and I give you praise tonight because I can bring all of my needs to you. And I can lay them at your feet, and I can talk to you about them. And that you are faithful, and you are just, and you will hear, and you will answer our prayers. I give you thanks for that tonight, because I know that I'm not alone in this world. And I'm not alone by myself dealing with situations. But you are there, and all of heaven's host is is there with you. For our benefit. And I give you thanks for that tonight. And I bless the name of the Lord Jesus. And I give praise and I give honor and glory to the name that is above every name. That name of Jesus. All powers given in that name. And I thank you for it. And I bless your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen. God bless you. See you Sunday morning.